Darwinists claim they have the science and that to acknowledge that the earth was created by an intelligent designer is simply religion. How should a Christian respond to this? We'll ask scholar and nationally syndicated radio host Kirby Anderson. And we'll get the latest on Barack Obama's stop in Israel. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here is Penna Dexter. Senator Obama had a great chance to say he was just wrong on the surge. It amazes me that uh, Senator Obama has not been able to say that uh, he was wrong on the surge. He said about everything else, but not that. That was Governor Bobby Jindal of Louisiana. He was on CBS's The Early Show saying that Barack Obama should have acknowledged that the troop surge in Iraq was a success. He wouldn't be there. He wouldn't be doing what he's doing right now in the Middle East, especially his uh, stop in Iraq, if that surge had not worked. Uh, Governor Jindal has been floated as a VP pick for John McCain. A lot of conservatives would love to see him uh, in that slot. They think that that uh, would make McCain more palatable. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me today. I am Penna Dexter. Dr. Johnson is not here today, but I've got an old friend in the studio. I'll introduce him in just a moment. Uh, we're going to talk about his book, though, and uh, to do that, we're going to let Ben Stein help us a little bit. Like most people, I also have questions, very big questions like, how did we get here? Where are we going? Is there a meaning and purpose in life? Are we, the universe, and everything in it, merely the result of pure, dumb fate and chance? For most of my life, I believe the answers to these questions are fairly straightforward. Everything that exists was created by a loving God. That includes rocks, trees, animals, people, really everything. All along, I've been well aware that other people, very smart people, believe otherwise. Rather than God's handiwork, they see the universe as the product of random particle collisions and chemical reactions. And rather than regard humankind as carrying the spark of the divine, they believe we're nothing more than mud animated by lightning. Well, you probably know that is from the trailer of the movie Expelled. That's Ben Stein. And we are going to talk about intelligent design today. And very specifically, uh, we're going to help you understand how you can argue for it. Now, what is up with this bias against the idea that there could actually be a designer, a supernatural being that planned the universe? Of course, as believers, we, we do need to be able to sort of make that argument for intelligent design 
or for creation. And uh, we do have someone in the studio to help us do that. He's written a new book on it. He is Kirby Anderson. And let me just tell you a little bit about him if you don't know him. He's the host of the nationally syndicated radio program Point of View. And he is nationally uh, national director for Probe Ministries. His education, uh, he's got some sort of diverse degrees. He's got a, a bachelor's of science and zoology from Oregon State University and then a master's in science from Yale and an MA in government from Georgetown. Uh, his two, uh, well, two of the books I can mention of his many books, Moral Dilemmas and also Christian Ethics in Plain Language. But this latest book is a biblical uh, view, a biblical point of view on intelligent design. He is Kirby Anderson. And Kirby, thank you for being with me here. Thank you studio. so much for letting me be on the program today. I've got to say, Kirby's an old friend because the two of us uh, have done radio together for many, many years, uh, part of that time as uh, co-hosts of Point of View when Marlon Maddox was alive. And Kirby, you're doing such a great do- uh, job continuing thank with you. that ministry. Thank you so much. Well, uh, before we get to intelligent design, in fact, we're going to save that and put that on hold for the next segment. We do want to talk about uh, what is going on in the presidential campaign trail. And uh, Barack Obama is in Israel today, and he said the U.S. will always stand with Israel. America must always stand up for Israel's right to defend itself against those who threaten its people. And he did say that when he spoke to pro-Israel groups here in the U.S., Kirby. And, you know, I find that Barack Obama does tend to know his audience, and he speaks well to his audience. But let's go to the next cut, because he's also saying that he will support efforts, and this is something that every president has been trying to do, is to get some kind of a peace agreement between Israel and the Palestinians. I'm deeply committed to helping Israel achieve a lasting peace with Palestinians who are prepared to accept the state of Israel renounce violence and terrorism and abide by agreements. And one more abide on this. He also says there's been no change in his position on Jerusalem. I continue to say that uh, Jerusalem will be the capital of Israel. And I have said that before and I will say it again. He has said that, but he's also said that Jerusalem should not be divided. He's had to pull back on that one. So, Kirby, let's just talk a little bit about this trip. Uh, Barack Obama is, of course, been in the Middle East. He'll also be in Europe. He's got three anchors from three major networks with him. Uh, he's got audiences with leaders, so he's looking very presidential over there. Do you think this trip, uh, like just right now, um, you know, looking back on it, it may be different, but right now, do you think this is helping him in his standing with the American people? Well, I think what it is attempting to try to do is get people thinking about him as a commander-in-chief. If there is one very significant uh, hole in his resume, and there are a couple, but the most significant one has to do with foreign policy. Uh, that isn't really up to debate, although it's amazing how people on Talking Head shows debate it. If you can type in words like McCain in Iraq, McCain in Afghanistan, you can type, even type in McCain in Israel, and you will have printouts that are pages upon pages upon pages, things that he has said, things that he's done, policies he's been a part of. Uh, of course, the surge itself, in large part, was due to his urging. Barack Obama, you can type in Obama and those words, and you have very little other than some of the things he said during the campaign. So it's supposed to help him. I think if indeed people pay attention to the images, it will help him. If they pay attention to the words, it will not, because there have been a couple of times when he's been asked questions, and you get a lot of uh, uh, and it's kind of a fumbling around and kind of a sense that he's sort of making it up as he goes along, uh, which is reminiscent to me of 1992 when Ross Perot ran for the presidency. 
There were times when Ross Perot would get questions, and you were sure that was like the first time anybody had ever asked him a question like that. Well, Barack Obama has been in political life much longer, but still, he hasn't been in that part. He's only been a senator for a few years. He hasn't really dealt with foreign policy issues. Yes, he's a member of the Council on Foreign Relations, but other than that, uh, his foreign policy experience is very little. So if people see him as presidential because he's traveling around and talking to Maliki and things like that, that works. But I think for the serious voter, they're going to say, you know, photo ops are nice, but I'd like to know if there's some content. And as a result, you've already heard him make a few statements about Israel, about Palestine and the rest. He's filling in some gaps, but uh, those are maybe a little bit of a day late dollar short in terms of what he needs to do in terms of convincing people that are looking for foreign policy credentials. They're not going to find him as easily with Barack Obama. I think one problem he has is the surge. And let's go back to Governor of Louisiana, Bobby Jindal. Uh, and this is a point that I think a lot of people have been making. Senator Obama had a great chance to say he was just wrong on the surge. Okay, now John McCain, as you said, he has uh, really the credentials on this. Uh, he and Barack Obama, he said that Barack Obama favors an unconditional withdrawal from Iraq. Obama would beg to differ from that, uh, that right now. But uh, he is saying that that would be disastrous. An unconditional withdrawal, my friends, without paying attention to the facts on the ground, could lead to our failure, a resurgence in our enemies, and we would have to go back. Excuse me. Uh, Kirby Anderson is with me. And Kirby, uh, John McCain is using this opportunity where Barack Obama is overseas to try to make some points about himself. Do you think he's being effective with that? Really tough right now. This is probably the most difficult top part of the McCain campaign. There were some people the other day that uh, began to suggest that maybe John McCain was going to announce his VP pick. And uh, I think that was done in part. We now have a little bit more evidence to suggest that maybe it was done just simply to interrupt the filibuster that was taking place because it was a Barack Obama filibuster. Coming back to what you said just a minute ago, Penna, when is the last time a sitting president had all three uh, anchors of all yeah. three major networks follow someone over. I'm hard part to figure out when that might have been anytime soon. And so he is getting a tremendous amount of attention. That is, Barack Obama is. So John McCain's trying to interrupt it every once in a while by bringing people back to reality. And one of his statements that he made here is unconditional surrender, unconditional withdrawal from Iraq. Those are not options for us. We've got to have victory in Iraq. And that's why he's saying what he's saying. Okay, here he is saying that his plan for leaving Iraq is the right one. When I'm president of the United States, we will come home. We will come home with victory and honor, but we'll never have to go back because we will have won this conflict. Well, that is an important point, and you do have to wonder, uh, with the 16-month timetable that we've heard from Barack Obama, if he would pull everybody out too soon. Now, we've heard Maliki, the leader there, saying that he wants a time certain when everybody's going to be out. But in a sense, a lot of the pundits have been saying that this is something he has to say to his people and to the world, just to show that he's the leader, but really with the military opinion uh, on the ground there, if uh, we need to be there longer, if we need to leave a contingent there for many, many years to come, 
he would be agreeable to that because he does not want to see the gains made uh, reversed. Well, and I think that's what you have to understand. Right now, you have tremendous reduction of violence in various sectors. And I know you've had a chance on this program to interview some of the embedded reporters that have come back. I have as well. And so there are a lot of successes, but you can very easily understand how those successes could be undermined very quickly. Uh, various insurgent troops that come in from Iran, insurgent troops that come in from Syria. So we're not just talking about one country and one situation. We're talking about a region, yet we're talking about the central country in that region. You have a stable Iraq. In some respects, you have sort of almost a domino effect that could bring democracy and freedom to that region. If you lose Iraq, you also lose not only Iraq, but a lot of the other countries in that region as well. I also think there's a sense in which, and we'll see down the road if I'm correct, that President Bush is going to be seen in a much better light, say, five to ten years down the road, if this indeed does bring more stability to that region. But Kirby, I want to, before the end of the segment, also talk about this VP yes. uh, pick that we uh, we floated this. And of course, some people are saying Mitt Romney's at the top of the list right now. Other people are saying Minnesota Governor Tim Pawlenty is up there. And then some people are talking about Jindal and, you know, there are others. But, you know, do you think Romney helps matters? I mean, Dick Morris says Mitt Romney has nothing to bring to the table. He couldn't really garner the votes. Why are the McCain uh, people even thinking about it. But then there are polls that show that Romney does bring something to the ticket. What do you think? Well, and I think the argument uh, that Dick Morris makes, and I see it in some of the material that you had there and had a chance to read it before we came on the air, is that it doesn't help you with groups. And I would agree with that. And that is, uh, there is nothing that Mitt Romney brings John McCain to help him with the evangelical groups. Uh, there's nothing necessarily that he brings to help you with the fiscal conservatives because they already, according to Dick Morris, are going to look at Barack Obama and already by default end up with John McCain. But here's where I might disagree a little bit, and that is, and it was mentioned in the article there, and others have mentioned as well, Michigan. Michigan has always been a blue state. Michigan is turning into a purple state, and it could eventually be a red state. Now, what you have to do is come up with 270 electoral votes. And when you already see the possibility that Barack Obama could win Virginia, Virginia has almost always been red. Now Virginia could be blue, possibly, okay? If Virginia, Colorado, you start looking at a few of these key states, where there's going to be a lot of Barack Obama money, and he's going to have a lot of money, then you have to say, well, if uh, McCain's looking at his tote board here and he says, if I lose Virginia, I have to get Michigan, and Michigan is winnable by Republicans, then Mitt Romney helps you. Apart from that, I'm not sure how he helps you a whole deal. Hmm. And that's, I think, the big question mark that is being asked right now in the McCain campaign. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, it's been fun to talk politics. Now we're going to talk science and religion. Is it science versus religion? Next up, we're going to get into this debate over intelligent design. Really, why isn't it okay if our kids grow up thinking that uh, they're just a product of chance? We'll talk about all of that with Kirby Anderson right after this. Criswell College is proud to present the new Mac at Night program. It's a Master of Arts in Counseling degree obtained by attending evening block classes. There are licensure and non-licensure options depending on your career goals. Mac at Night features some of the best professors in the field of Christian counseling, and all courses are biblically based. Expand your ministry or prepare for a doctorate. Criswell College makes it simple and convenient. 
all Mac at Night courses are scheduled with the working professional in mind. If you've got a full-time job, a busy lifestyle, or even raising a family, you're perfect for Mac at Night. Get your Master of Arts in Counseling at Criswell College with Mac at Night. Call 800-899-0012 or go to criswell.edu. That's 800-899-0012 or criswell.edu. Invest in God's work and yourself through this convenient program through the Criswell College. It's Mac at Night. See criswell.edu. That's criswell.edu. Listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. I was viewed as an intellectual terrorist. If you have questioned Darwinism, that's it. Your career is over. I have been told to shut up. Just stand up and question Darwinism. You'll find out how risky that is. There are people out there who want to keep science in a little box where it can't possibly touch God. Religion. I mean, it's just fantasy, basically. Scientists are not allowed to even think thoughts that involve an intelligent creator. We cannot accept to treat intelligent design as an alternative scientific theory. I'm frightened by this, but I'm not going to let it stop me from investigating and from speaking about it. Okay, uh, one scientist says that if you question Darwinism, it's uh, pretty risky. And it is risky if you're an academic. Kirby Anderson is with me. He's got a new book out, A Biblical Point of View on Intelligent Design. What if you're just a Christian parent and you're wondering why your child has to be exposed to Darwinism and evolution in school, but nothing about intelligent design? How do you go in and try to make a point about this? Even in some uh, private schools, kids are getting the pure Darwinist message and nothing about the idea that there could possibly be someone out there that designed this universe. Well, this book helps people. There's really just a series of arguments and questions that's very simple uh, to help people articulate the whole field of intelligent design. And Kirby, uh, I imagine you had a few folks uh, asking you these questions in your position at Probe Ministry as they face these things in their daily lives. Just how do I do this? Is that why this book came about? Certainly. It's part of a series called uh, A Biblical Point of View On and then Fill in the Blank. And in each one of the books, I try to give you about 50 or 60 of the questions I run into most often when I'm doing a broadcast or when I'm speaking to an audience. And I try to give you a two to five minute answer. This one, uh, even more than others, Penna, is very controversial because first of all, you've got the scientific controversy. Then you have the question about the problems of evolution. And then in my Later chapters, you have some of the political issues, too, because we've had the Dover case, and we've had, of course, we just heard a little bit of the expelled movie. You've had some individuals, whether they were at Iowa State or whether they were at George Mason or even if they were at Baylor, right. uh, they've had different kinds of experiences. Now, some have not gotten tenure, some have been fired, but it isn't because they have taught intelligent design in almost every case. It's because they simply believe in it. I mean, Carolyn Crocker, when she was at George Mason University, one of the individuals in the expelled movie with Ben Stein, she actually talked about problems 
problems with evolution, but I don't think there's any evidence she ever taught intelligent design. By the time you get to Guillermo Gonzalez, here is a man who produced the book A Privileged Planet, which later was a DVD. Uh, I think he has said he's never talked about intelligent design in the classroom. He is a man with over 70 different uh, refereed journal articles and things of that nature. As a matter of fact, at the university, they use his textbook, and yet he was denied tenure. Why? Because he believes in intelligent design. Mm. So the price can be pretty heavy indeed, and that was really what the Expelled film was all about. Well, it was a lot of fun. I think it made a big point and surprised a lot of people. But I think before we get started, Kirby, some people might be wondering, what is intelligent design? Intelligent design is actually a belief that as we look at evidence, we can determine and make a distinction between things which are a result of random patterns and something which is actually designed. And the, lots of people try to say intelligent design is a belief that God did it because I can't explain it. No, it's understanding levels of complexity. Right now we're broadcasting over radio. As people maybe go through the radio dial, and I hope they'll stay right here on KCBI, mm-hmm. but if they went down the radio dial, they're going to get some static on some of those uh, frequencies, and they're going to get actual words and music on others. And they're going to figure out, be using their mind very quickly, one is design and one is random or stochastic or uh, ch- uh, some kind of chance of situation. If you go to the beach, which is a good time in the summer to do so, you can see random wave patterns that will give you some level of order, but you can explain that just on the basis of random wave action. But if you go a little bit further and see uh, Jerry Johnson Live written in the sand, you're going to say it had to be written there because if somebody came up to you and said, no, there was just a wave came down here and a number of shells just hit the wave just right, so it spelled out Jerry Johnson Live, you're going, no, I don't believe that. And so we have an intuitive notion of when things are designed and when things are due to chance. And in the book, I talk about uh, some people like Bill Dembski, who was also in the Expelled film, who has been able to develop that in a mathematical way to make a distinction. And so intelligent design says we can use tools to determine what is designed and contrast that with that which could happen by chance. All right, I'm going to open up the phones, 800-881-9270, and just let you ask the professor, Kirby Anderson, questions about intelligent design or make comments about it as we go through and talk about some of the things in this book. But I think the big question I have, Kirby, is just why are the uh, proponents of evolution, the Darwinists, so afraid of the debate? I mean, do they not have enough confidence in their position that they're afraid? As you said, there are people that have never even taught ID. They just believe in it, and these people are getting uh, persecuted and and sort of squeezed out of the debate. What are they afraid of? Well, I think part of it comes back to one of my chapters where I talk about Darwinism. Now, just think about this for a minute, Penna, because I talk about Darwinism. Now, we don't talk about Newtonism, or we don't talk about Einsteinism, but Darwin evolution, Darwinian evolution, has become an ism. It's become a philosophy. And so, even though there are some scientific debates that get really hot, uh, global warming, embryonic stem cell research, most science is dis- discussed in a pretty dispassionate way. We look at the evidence, we look, we evaluate it, we reject theories if the evidence goes against it. But in this particular case, what has happened is, is when Darwin came on the scene and when he actually published Origin of Species and Later Descent of Man, he actually created not only a scientific theory, but he created a foundation upon which now atheism could exist, naturalism could exist. And even to this day, if you look at the so-called new atheist, Richard Dawkins, the God delusion, or you look 
at Sam Harris and of uh, you know the the whole idea of letter to a Christian nation mm-hmm. and uh, Daniel Dennett and you know uh, Christopher Hitchens God is not good I mean almost all of them come back to this idea of evolution in other words we can explain the world without God thus we don't need God and so what uh, I think is taking place is there is an attempt to move from science to philosophy from Darwinian evolution to Darwinism now I want to give Darwin his due he was an individual who understood something very significantly in the 19th century natural selection and that I think think is the key aspect of his scientific theory, and we recognize that he really stumbled onto something. But everything else, the attempt to try to explain the entire universe on the basis of natural selection, um, it was a nice 19th century theory. But we're in the 21st century now. We know a lot more, for example, about the cell. We know a lot more about living systems. We know a lot more about ecosystems. We know a lot more about astronomy. And so this is the problem. People are saying that we would like to uh, continue to do scientific research, but there are certain things you can't question, and one of those is Darwinian evolution. Ladies and gentlemen, Kirby Anderson is with me. Again, the number is 800-881-9270. I guess one question I could put out there is, uh, should the idea of a designer be taught alongside Darwinism or evolution in a science class in the public school. Right now, you can't. I mean, even the court cases where they've tried in certain areas of the country, Kirby, it always uh, is decided against those who just want equal time in the debate. Why is that? Well, I think that is uh, back to, again, this overreaction. There's almost an overreach. The Dover decision was a good example. Because in Dover, Pennsylvania, I've gone back, uh, Penn and I even have it in the book, uh, looking at the fact that all they really ask the teachers to do is read this little statement but basically said that if you would like to know more about this idea of intelligent design, there's a book in the library. By the way, that book is Pandas and People, which was produced by John Buell right here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, But that was too controversial, and thus the uh, court, uh, in this case Judge Jones, ruled against it. So I think anytime soon that's not going to take place, simply because almost all the court precedents are going the other direction. But again, it isn't because we don't believe that there should be a robust debate about science, because most scientists would say, I agree with that. But They say, well, unfortunately, intelligent design is religion. Religion should not be taught in a scientific classroom. And they're saying it's not scientific because, after all, science says that you should be able to falsify the theory. But then here's the interesting thing, Penna, because about two sentences further in their argument, they begin to then falsify intelligent design. And I say, you can't have it both ways. You can't tell me intelligent design is not falsifiable and then go try to falsify Mm -hmm. it. In a sense, that's what Charles Darwin tried to do in Origins of Species, because there were creationists that back then believed that every single species was created. And uh, Darwin said, no, I think as I've looked at the Darwin's finches in the Galapagos Islands, I think there was just one Finch, and it actually diversified. There was lateral variability, and I think he was right in that regard. Uh, even creationists would accept that today, but he was using his theory to falsify a view, and I think today scientists can't tell me, on the one hand, intelligent design is falsifiable, um, and then, on the other hand, tell me it's not science because it's not falsifiable. I mean, someone has to actually come to some conclusion about whether or not it's a valid scientific theory. And we use these ideas, the so-called design inference, every day when we're determining archaeological digs, when we're just going out into the world. We can figure out very quickly, intuitively, what is designed. And mathematically, we can give some real specificity to it as well. Well, it is intuitive. And, you know, there are a lot of Christians who will say, well, I believe in evolution because I believe that species do change and adapt. And I think, you know, Darwin just took a big leap when he took it from within species 
to cross species to say that I am, you know, related to a monkey or whatever. And as you said, Kirby, uh, now we have so much uh, science out there uh, beyond what Darwin, uh, Darwin saw that I have to even wonder, and uh, maybe you can very quickly uh, see if you agree with me or not, if Darwin would have been an evolutionist if he knew what we know. Yes, uh, Paul Nelson, somebody who I've interviewed before, and he said, you know, it's too bad we can't bring him in a time machine and bring him to the 21st century and say to Charles Darwin, here's a mitochondria, here's bacterial flagellum, here's ribosomes, here's DNA. Does this look like it happened by chance? And Paul Nelson argues, who's, again, a believer in intelligent design, that Charles Darwin would probably say, no, it looks like design. Very interesting. More with Kirby Anderson, A Biblical Point of View on Intelligent Design is the book, and we'll be back right after this. Listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. Well, I said to him, uh, now Do- this is a law school tactic I used. And I said, now Dr. Dawkins, do you think there's no chance at all? This I'm paraphrasing. It, there's no chance at all that there's uh, an intelligence that designed the earth. No, I wouldn't say no chance at all. I said, uh, well, what would you say the percentage is? One percent? He said, yeah, it might be one percent. I said, could it be three percent? He said, yeah, it could be three percent. I said. Could it be 49%? He said, no, it couldn't be that. And I said, well, how do you know it's 3% and not 49%? So anyway, so we went on from there, and he said, uh, well, uh, I said, well, if if there is 1% or 3% chance, how did it happen? He said, well, it could have been people from outer space, superior intelligence came and seeded the Earth. And I said, where'd they come from? Uh, He couldn't answer that one, and, and he got kind of annoyed. That was a hilarious part of the movie. Of course, that was Ben Stein. He was actually being interviewed by uh, Dr. Richard Land on his program. Kirby Anderson is with me. He's the author of a new book, A Biblical Point of View on Intelligent Design. We are taking your calls at 800-881-9270. Do you think that uh, we should at least be able to teach intelligent design alongside evolution in our schools? Or any questions you might have for Kirby? He's actually going to uh, give our callers a free book. He'll send it to you. We'll take your name and address. And I might uh, say about Kirby, he's the smartest person I know that can make things very simple. And this book isn't even that long. It's only 128 pages before the bibliography. But it lays out the case for intelligent design beautifully, Kirby. And uh, that's why I'm so happy that we're discussing this today. And uh, so uh, give us a call, 800-881-9270. One uh, thing I did notice is that President Bush and John McCain both think this. They both think that intelligent design should be presented in our schools. They've been asked that question, and they both uh, think it's true. What I thought is so interesting, and I wrote that section even before I knew that John McCain was going to be the presumptive nominee, but I went back and actually looked at the videotape that was made when John McCain was interviewed at the Arizona Daily Star, and he says, I think there has to be all points of view presented, but they've got to be thoroughly presented. There's nothing long, wrong with teaching different schools of thought. And he was saying that about the uh, subject of intelligent design. Now, Penna, you made a prediction earlier. I'll make a prediction. I predict that somewhere in 
one of these debates, this is going to come up. You know, intelligent design is going to be a hot topic. It's a hot topic already because of the expelled movie. It's already been a hot topic because of the Dover case. Next year is the 200th anniversary of the birth of Charles Darwin. Charles Darwin and Abraham Lincoln were born on the same day in the same year. And so as a result, the evolutionists are going to use next year as a national teach-in on evolution. They're concerned about the fact that we're a fairly sophisticated society, but yet most people don't believe in evolution. So they're going to be teaching that, and I believe it's going to come up, and I think you're going to have more and more people asking questions about intelligent design, hence the reason for this book and an attempt to just give you some facts and figures and some things to talk about as they arise when you're sitting around uh, drinking coffee at Starbucks or just maybe chatting around the dinner table. These are going to be, I think, issues that we'll be talking about not only in the culture at large, but I even think perhaps in the political campaign. All right, the calls are coming in, and uh, we will get to you in just a moment, but I've got to ask one more question, Kerr, because I think it's important for us to talk about why uh, why do we need to understand that we aren't just the product of chance, and also the idea that there's so much science now, uh, that, and I think this is why the Darwinists are getting nervous, but uh, in the genetic code, you know, you had this human genome uh, project, and you had the director who is uh, Francis Collins, And this is what he said, and you have this in your book. Uh, He said, we have caught the first glimpse of our instruction book, uh, previously known only to God. He said this at the White House. So you have things like this, and this, you know, it's, it's intuitive to most people. And it's important, I think, that we hold on to that idea that we were created. Well, and I think it is, because if you think about the kind of issues you discuss here on Jerry Johnson Live, let's take the bioethical issues, abortion, euthanasia, let's take genetic engineering or embryonic stem cell research. If we're just the collection of chemicals and there is no... qualitative difference between humans and animals, maybe a quantitative difference, we've got a bigger brain, we walk upright or whatever, but if there's no qualitative difference, we use genetic engineering to breed animals, why can't we use genetic engineering to breed human beings? We don't worry about uh, destroying a cow embryo, should we worry about destroying a human embryo? So you can see, first of all, it affects things like bioethics. Let's talk about uh, human rights. If indeed there's no real difference between humans and animals, you know, there are some people talking about animal rights, but still we recognize that all sorts of things we allow people to do to animals that we'd never allow to do to humans. Uh, what about government? Do you and Dr. Johnson talk a lot about government? Well, the whole foundation of our government is what? Declaration of Independence. What does it say? We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal by, and they are endowed by their what? Creator with certain inalienable rights. We understand that if indeed that is true, then we have rights because we're created in God's image. We're not given rights. But if instead you have an evolutionary point of view, government gives you rights. But, Penn, as you well know, if government gives you rights, government will take them away. Okay, we've got another clip from Expelled that we can play that sort of helps us, uh, again, make the case of why this is important. But we need to go to the calls because folks are calling in. And uh, let's go first to Carrollton and speak with Donald. Donald, you're on with Kirby Anderson. Okay, I have a question. On the Darwin uh, theory where they say we were not created, we evolved, how do they explain the fact that the Earth, is made up of elements that is constant and that does not evolve. 
Well, and the argument that they would make is is that there has been an evolution, a geological evolution of the Earth. But nevertheless, I mean, I think that's a good question. Now, the argument that was made by Charles Darwin is that out of the elements that were in the Earth, there was maybe a warm little pond that allowed for the first life to exist. If you ever saw the movie Expelled or if you've looked at the Probe DVD series on Redeeming Darwin, we point out that very quickly those theories have kind of been set aside because they just simply don't don't work. Ben, as you know, I've got a chapter in here where I talk about one of the icons of evolution, that's some of those studies. So that's the problem. How do you get from inorganic molecules to the first living cell? And what seemed pretty easy, at least as a thought experiment for Charles Darwin in the 19th century, now in the 21st century seems to be an insurmountable hurdle, and scientists simply don't know. So some of the questions about so-called chemical evolution and the evolution of the Earth leading to the first uh, cell that might be a living, replicating cell are major questions, which are still full of question marks even to this day. Okay, Donald, uh, you can go back to Martin, our call screener, and give him your an address and your full name so that you can get one of these books. You'll love it. And uh, we're going to go uh, back to the phones in just a moment. But Kirby, one thing, um, I saw one of your DVD, DVDs that you put out from Probe that uh, showed the cell and what a machine it is. And how complex it is, and this is another uh, another thing that really speaks to a, a creator or an, a designer, isn't it? There is nothing more complex than a cell. I mean, you just have to understand that even if you take just one aspect of the cell, like the uh, bacterial flagellum, which is considered to be one of the most efficient machines in the universe, but if you look at it, it looks like an outdoor outboard motor. But this is a molecular machine. There are hundreds of molecular machines that are all what uh, Michael Behe calls irreducibly complex. That's a big word to say. They're so complex, you can't explain them coming together part by part. And uh, just the fact that you look at a cell and we talk about the fact that we have DNA that is translated, RNA that's transcribed. You talk about words, you talk about the DNA code. Well, when we talk about a code, we mean there's a code giver. Uh, We talk about the information that's in the cell in terms of bits and bytes. This is incredibly complex, more complex than any computer program that you could possibly imagine. And to believe that all of that came about by chance takes a lot more faith than I've got. Mm, Yeah. Well, the Bible says I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, and I think when you study this, you really realize that. Let's go back to the phones. Elizabeth is in Fort Worth. Elizabeth, thanks for calling in. You're on with Kirby Anderson. Hi, thank you. Um, I'm actually calling because um, I'm taking, I'm a college student right now, and I'm taking a biology class, and um, of course, I believe in uh, creationism and intelligent design, and yesterday we studied uh, evolution, and it bothered me a lot that uh, they would teach that and completely disregard um, any other form of uh, the origin of life. Um, and my professor said that the reason that they disregard creationism is because it cannot be proven or disproved. Oh, there we go. Like Darwinism has been proven. Can't be falsified, and yet then they turn around and try to falsify it. Here's a couple points. First of all, Elizabeth, you need to be a good student, and your job right now is to be a good student. So learn the facts of evolution, but you don't necessarily have to believe all of them. Now, interestingly enough, a lot of what is taught in an evolution section are things that both evolutionists and creationists would agree with. For example, you'll hear something about maybe uh, peppered moths, bistin betularia, or you hear about Darwin's fitches. Well, those really don't prove evolution. 
they tur- they show maybe lateral variation. Uh, they might even show, in some cases, examples of natural selection. But creationists don't disagree with that. We recognize that there can be some variation. We get everything from a dachshund to a Great Dane, but they're all dogs. We get everything from a tabby to a calico, and they're all cats. We recognize that there's some variation, but it's the extrapolation from that, saying, well, we can uh, see some minor variation in dog species, and that then explains how we got dogs. Or we can see some variation in some of these butterflies, and that explains how we got all of the insects. Well, there's where the question is. So even as you're learning evolution, some of that isn't necessarily challenging a Christian perspective or a view of intelligent design or creation. But when you do study some other things that you might disagree with, you can learn the facts of them, and I think it's important to learn the answers to it. And since you're getting a free copy of my book, I would say that the first thing you would want to go to when you get that book in the mail is go to Chapter 4 called The Icons of Evolution. And there I spend a little bit of time talking about the kinds of stories that you will see in your textbook. And I try to, to use Paul Harvey's favorite phrase, tell you the rest of the story. Mm -hmm. Because there's a story to be told, and you really need to understand that in some cases you're only getting part of the story. Thank you very much for calling in, Elizabeth, and uh, I hope you enjoy the book. Again, the book is A Biblical Point of View on Intelligent Design. You can get it at the bookstore. You can go to pointofview.net. We're going to continue to take your calls. Uh, we're also going to move off onto another topic and uh, t- tell you about an event where Kirby Anderson will be speaking, actually debating one of his colleagues. That ought to be interesting. So stay with us for more of Jerry Johnson Live. I've got a full-time job and a family, and I'm also getting a master's degree at Criswell College. The new Mac at Night program offers evening block courses for a Master of Arts in Counseling degree. It's so convenient and fits my busy lifestyle as a mom and a professional. Mac at Night offers licensure and non-licensure programs so you can gain ministry knowledge and even prepare for a doctorate. Mac at Night professors are at the top of the Christian counseling field. And Criswell College is partnered with a number of ministries, so you'll get experience and great contacts. My friends and family are so excited to see me back in school with the Mac at Night program at Criswell College. A Master of Arts in Counseling has never been so convenient. Come on, join me for Mac at Night. For more details, call 800-899-0012 or visit criswell.edu. Invest in God's kingdom and in yourself through the Chriswell College. See us on the web at chriswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. Welcome back to Jerry Johnson Live. I'm privileged to have in studio with me Kirby Anderson, and uh, he is the host of Point of View Talk Show, nationally syndicated program on daily. Uh, and uh, in here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, it's uh, KBTT 91.7. And uh, also he is national director for Probe Ministries, and Probe's got an event coming up. And, you know, Kirby is very interested in politics, as you know. And uh, so we've been talking on this program about whether you should talk about politics from the pulpit. Uh, Last week, we even talked about the idea of endorsing candidates from the pulpit, which is really taking it to the nth degree. Uh, But 
you know, there's this this idea of whether or not pastors should deal with these issues and help their members of their congregation understand the issues and where candidates stand and all of that. And so you're kind of at Probe Ministries, you're coming at it from both sides. Some churches and pastors will prefer to do so, others won't. Some people prefer a church where you do hear those issues from the pulpit, others don't. So you're going to have an event that kind of presents both sides. Tell us about it. Yes, and this is something called Christians and Politics, and it takes place August 5th. And uh, if you want to go to the Probe website, or even better, call Probe Ministries. We'll give the phone number in just a minute. Don Clausen and I are going to give two different presentations. Don Clausen attends a church where they have decided not to really address those issues. They've got a lot of diversity there, and they're even trying to craft a policy right now on how they would address issues like immigration and things of that nature. And so he represents, uh, and his church represents one, where they've decided not to be that political. I attend a church where the pastor is very political, has spoken out on issues, and and one of the ways in which Penn and I first met was an action lunch right there. Yeah, we'll at that just church. say this is Jack Graham at Preston Woods. He's a broadcaster in KCBI. <laughs> so people would know that. And so I want to then answer questions. Okay, if your church would want to address these issues, how do you do it? What are the legal limits to this? And we're going to have a handout that Kelly Shackelford has put together so you know what your rights are. Going to give suggestions on how you could actually educate members of your congregation. And so we're really doing this as an attempt to uh, not say that one is right over the other, but to recognize that different churches make different choices and to help you make those decisions. So if you're a member of a church, especially if you're on a church staff, we hope that you'll come out on August 5th. It's at 7.30, and it's at the Hyatt Regency, which is right there near Probe Ministries. You just kind of go north on 75. But if you want to get some information about that, if you'd like to get a flyer, we've got all sorts of things like that. Just simply call Probe Ministries. The number is 972 972 We'd like to know just uh, because it's a dessert. We are not charging anything for it, but uh, you can come and have some dessert, even maybe take your spouse out for dinner and then come there for dessert and hear the discussion. We'll start it at 730. We always end at about 9 o'clock, and it'll give you an opportunity to see some presentations that then you can take back to your church. If you want to use the PowerPoint presentations in your own church, you can use those as well. We'll have some other material and talk about uh, different ways that churches have tried to educate their congregation about the issue of politics and in particular about the candidates during campaign 2008. So the number again is 972-480-0240 or you can go to probe.org and if you're like me you can just go and eat dessert. I mean you know. (laughs) Uh, Ladies and gentlemen we are taking your calls. We're talking about intelligent design and again the book uh, A Biblical Point of View on Intelligent Design by Kirby Anderson. Let's go now to uh, Shirley. Shirley is on line three. Is that the one? Okay. Shirley, go ahead. Hi. Um, I, I watched the movie um, Expelled. I watched it on the opening night, you know, the weekend, so that I would be counted, because that's really all that Madison Avenue and Hollywood seem to understand, so you want a big opening box office. Yeah, but, good for you. Yes, and, and um, you know, uh, Richard Land and all the other people on both KCB, KCBI and KVTT, were, you know, telling us and reminding us that, you know, just because it's a weekend, you know, don't put it off. And, and I forgot about that. And I said, yeah, that's an intelligent thing. Let's do that. But I, I was surprised and shocked to see Baylor named as one of the <laughs> universities that there seemed to have been a problem with when I know quite a few people, especially parents who forked up thousands upon thousands of dollars to send their child to a Christian university here in the local area 
only to find that, uh, you know, um, to be put up there. And I thought, has there been any fallout from being put on the movie as expelled? I mean, is there a shakeup in the administration? Yeah. Well, we created a little bit that? of fallout on this program because we did a whole show on it afterwards. And, mm-hmm. you know, in a, in a sense, uh, with Baylor, and I know there are a lot of great Christian professors there and in the administration and kids, mm-hmm. uh, but they seem to be, Kirby, kind of oversensitive in this right. whole area of design. It's been an ongoing battle there at Baylor about the teaching of creation or intelligent design. And if you are uh, an ID person, you're persecuted there. Well, and this was, again, the situation that really affected Dr. Robert Marks, who was in the engineering department there. But you have to understand that Bill Dembski, William Dembski, who was also in the film, had been there earlier and really came to Baylor in the year 2000 to start what was known as the Michael Polanyi Center for Complexity Information and Design. And he actually put together some great conferences, but there has been such a desire to be identified as a world-class institution, even though if you go to the website, it talks about being a Christian university, that I think there has been a little bit of a reaction, maybe overreaction to some of this, because Dr. Marks, I think, was really doing some very good research on his evolutionary informatics lab, but uh, nevertheless, it just illustrates that uh, even at the Christian universities, there's a lot of controversy about intelligent design. Ladies and gentlemen, we will get back to your calls, but I want to ask Kirby a question. I don't really think we have time to play this bite, but let me sort of summarize something else that was in Expelled that I think uh, shows how important it is that we get this right and that we understand uh, that there is a designer. And that is uh, this whole idea that uh, people are expendable. Uh, that you could uh, sort of make a certain race, which was sort of the idea of the Holocaust, to be prominent. And also just sort of the beginnings and the roots of organizations like Planned Parenthood. This comes from denying that God created people and created them to be special. Well, and I think that's what you have to understand is the origin of species actually has a very long title. In the interest of time, I'll just mention that part of that title talked about favored races. So for people that uh, have said, well, eugenics, racism, even uh, the Holocaust, uh, you can't always lay all the blame back to Darwinism, but those Darwinian ideas certainly were influential. So it doesn't mean that all Darwinists or all people that believe in evolution ultimately end up as eugenicists or as people that uh, favor one race over another, but it does mean that it provided an intellectual foundation for some of those ideas. Mm -hmm. And that was something that was talked about in the Expelled movie, and I think if you want to understand it in its Uh, In totality, I would either watch the Expelled DVD when it comes out in the next couple of months or actually read some of the books that have come out in the last couple of years that have been, I think, fairly scholarly to show that many of the ideas that surfaced in the minds of everybody from Margaret Sanger all the way to Adolf Hitler, some uh, a little more passive and others a lot more aggressive than others. So I'm not saying that there's a moral equivalence between those two individuals, but nevertheless, these ideas of looking at races and looking at individuals and saying certain races deserve to survive over others, some of those ideas do indeed find their roots all the way back in the book Origin of Species. So now you understand and know why it's important uh, that we really understand who created us. And of course, it's God. And he also provided a way for you to have a relationship with him. And that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. Kirby, I want to thank you so much for being uh, with me in studio. I really appreciate your work. Sure. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining us today. We hope you will join us again tomorrow. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. 
Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.